Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Psycon Toolkit. This is the podcast for scientists and science communicators to get all the tools they need to communicate their science with confidence. No matter whether you are a complete newbie to Psycom or are looking to start another new side project, this is the place for you. And I am thrilled to welcome you with open arms. I'm your host, Dr. Sophie Milbourne, or some of you may know me as Safe Talk Science. I am a scientist turned full-time science communicator, specialising in digital forms of Psycom. I write an award-winning science blog, share Psycom tips on Instagram, and now I am creating this little podcast resource full of tools and tips too. I also hope to write a book one day, not sure whether that will be fiction or non-fiction, about science or not yet, still a work in progress. I want to start creating more videos and training courses about science communication. I want to learn more about animations and motion graphics. And this is my problem, you see. I want to do everything when I know that I can't, or shouldn't at least, not all at the same time. But talking of tools, that is the theme for today's podcast, which you almost definitely already knew from looking at the title of the episode and indeed the name of the podcast. Anyway, I know how tricky it can be to get started in science communication and balancing it around maybe a full-time job or full-time study or even just getting settled in your first science communication job. And when you are starting a SciComm hobby or side hustle, you don't want it to be breaking the bank either if you want to buy equipment, invest in training, or travelling to opportunities where expenses aren't covered. Over the five years or so I've been doing science communication now, I have juggled more and more things. So I've tried to find tools that make creating more productive and more time efficient. So in this episode, I wanted to tell you about seven of my favourite free tools that I have used and continue to use to help my science communication and I think are definitely worth sharing. Now, I use a lot of tools. There are things like social media platforms and Google Drive, but also there are loads of useful tools just for websites or just for writing, making videos, or platforms to record talks, develop courses, and so on and so on. Of course, there will be loads of paid tools out there. Some I am lucky enough now to be able to invest in, but I would never have been able to do that when I started out. Plus, I didn't want to spend when I started out because I was thinking, well, what if this doesn't work out? I understand that there may be things you might need to buy for your type of science communication. Like if you wanted to make videos, then you will probably almost definitely need to buy a camera. Or if you wanted to start a podcast, you might need a microphone. But Remember that your phones have pretty decent cameras and mics to get you started. So be thrifty and you don't have to spend to get started. The point I'm trying to make is you can spend money on tools to help you out, but you don't have to to get started. And that is what this episode is about. There are lots of ways you can spend money and spend lots of it on doing science communication. But I don't believe that you need to, especially when you're finding your feet. 
for all of us to collectively create the best and most impactful science communication, it needs to be accessible to everyone so that we can have a diverse and representative range of voices doing science communication too. And that means free and accessible resources and tools to help us hone and improve our skills. And that's why I want to share these with you. But back to the topic at hand, here are seven of those tools that I think every science communicator should use or could use if they need to, that will save you time as well as money. So the first tool I wanted to introduce you to today is probably the number one thing I would recommend, and that is Canva. I think I use it every day, both in my own science communication projects, but also in my full time job, too. I seriously just cannot get enough of it. And if you don't use it already, it is going to revolutionize your life. If you haven't heard of it, well, I don't really know where you have been because everyone is using it and it's so, so good. So Canva is a website or there is an app version too that you can use to create all your social media graphics. You can create YouTube thumbnails, podcast art, media kits, CVs, blog post headers. There are over 250,000 different templates for pretty much anything you might need, which is fabulous. And yes, that is on the free version. You can make channel art or posters or Instagram reel templates, logos, brochures, presentation slides, and you can actually present through Canva, certificates, invitations, and so on. There is video and audio on there now too, I think. It is so good that I cannot believe it's free. It's a really, really simple and easy to use way of getting some graphic design type support when you're starting off doing your science communication project. You can set brand colors. There are hundreds of thousands of customizable assets like frames, icons, graphs, images, thousands of stock photos. You can upload your own images. You can also animate things now too. You can invite people into a team and collaborate on different documents or graphics. And there's up to five gig of cloud storage. Any of the graphics you see on my Instagram account or my blog or website, they have all been made using Canva. Even the art for this podcast was made using Canva. It is so, so easy to use and it is completely free, which still blows my mind. There is a pro version, which starts at $10.99 a month. That's pounds, GBP. I still use the free version because I can do everything I need to with it and I can't warrant paying for it at the moment. But a big positive of the pro version is you can magically resize any design you create. So if you created a cover for your Instagram reel, for example, a few quick clicks later, you could have the same design in the right aspect ratio for Twitter, YouTube, an event poster, and so on. You have access to more templates and more stock photos and more customizable elements. 
you can schedule your content to seven different social media platforms, I think, and then the storage rockets up to 100 gig. In my opinion, you really don't need to pay for this when starting off. I highly encourage you to go to canva.com or download the app. Probably head to the website first if it's new to you so you can get a better handle of what you can do. So head there and just have a play around. Maybe your first attempt of creating something could be the logo for your new science blog that you're going to start or the front cover of your dream popular science book. I seriously cannot recommend this tool enough to you. The second tool is wordpress.com. So wordpress.com is a web publishing software or site that you can use to create a beautifully looking website or blog. I think it is the easiest and most flexible blogging and content management system for beginners. When I started my blog back in uh, 2016, I used WordPress. Even the websites of companies I have worked for have been built on WordPress. If you want to start a blog or build yourself a website, then I would highly recommend WordPress.com. And I will talk about why you should have a website as a scientist or science communicator more in the future. And we are going to dive deeper into blogging tips and tools too. But back to today, getting my blog off the ground was super easy. I made an account, chose a template for the visual layout, etc. Wrote my blog and hit publish. I had stats that I could view. I could also download the WordPress app then to make any edits or maybe make a draft of a new post that I'd thought of, all on the free plan. If you need to learn how to customize the layouts or add widgets for Instagram or change your site menu, there are thousands of useful blogs and YouTube videos out there to help you do that. But I think it's really easy to use. Once I knew that I wanted to take my blog and website further, I was able to upgrade to one of the paid plans. On WordPress.com, there is a personal plan, premium plan, business and e-commerce plan, which are £3, £7, £20 and £36 per month, respectively. And each of the plans that have different things on offer, like increased storage space, premium themes, Google Analytics integration, you can remove WordPress.com ads and so on. I opted for the premium plan so that I could mainly integrate Google Analytics, but also so I could turn my sofetalkscience.wordpress.com site into my sofetalkscience.com site. If there is one thing you could invest in for your science communication project or career, I would recommend that it would be your domain name. That is my sofetalkscience.com or google.com or whatever the website address is. Maybe not straight away, but I would say if you can purchase your domain name, I would highly, highly recommend doing that. It's not very expensive. I think it's something like £14 a year I pay for sofetalkscience.com. Is it £14? I can't remember. But whatever it is, it's, it isn't extortionate. And if there is one thing I would highly recommend for a researcher or a science communicator to have, that would be a website. 
the whys and hows of that we will save for another time. So there can be costs associated with starting a blog or a website, but you can start for free and you can get used to writing, managing a posting schedule, managing content, etc, etc. There are other options out there for hosting a website like Squarespace or Wix or even Google Sites. I'm not 100% sure about costs and things for each of those. I think Wix at least has a similar setup where you can start for free and upgrade. But Wix, for example, isn't a content management system like WordPress. And by content management system, I mean the behind the scenes software to manage the creation and management of all the digital content. So posts and pages and such. I'm not explaining this very well, so I will link some resources in the show notes to explain that better. But WordPress is the most user friendly, in my opinion. Now, you may have noticed I keep saying WordPress.com, and that's because there is also WordPress.org. And I have now moved my website to WordPress.org. This is a self-hosted site where I basically pay for a little online town for all my content to live within. Whereas before, with the .com site, I was restricted to WordPress limits. I now have full control over everything with my website. It was a bit of a faff to move it across and it does cost more. But with the ambitions I have for my career, I needed to move it across and didn't start off with the .org site because A, I didn't know there was one and the differences between that and .com site. And B, I didn't want to pay for something at the start that I wasn't sure was going to work out. This has now probably turned into something far too technical than I was going to do for this episode. We will talk about website things more in the future, but for getting started and a standard website, WordPress.com is a super useful free tool. The next tool is Later. If you want to save yourself some time with science communication, then scheduling your posts is a game changer. I recently moved to Later so that I could link to multiple social media accounts and the free version allowed me to schedule more posts in advance. I was using a scheduler called Buffer before, but I could only schedule, I think, 10 posts for one social media platform, which might be okay for your needs, but I wanted more. With the free version of Later, I can schedule 30 posts per social profile platform and they say you can have one social media set and I think that is a Instagram account, a Twitter account, a Facebook and a Pinterest account that classes as one social set. With later you can schedule photos and videos with just a few clicks. You can also plan your content in a visual way for how it will look on your Instagram grid if that's your bag. As expected, there are paid versions. They start at $12.50 per month, where you can schedule then up to 60 posts per profile. You can start adding more users if you have a team and start adding multiple Instagram profiles if you have different ones for different aims and projects. You can get some insights for the best times to post. You get hashtag suggestions. You can schedule Instagram stories too with the paid versions. Crucially, though, you can also add 
alt text to images when scheduling. You can tag locations and tag other users too. And there are more advanced analytics options too. For full transparency, I have been pretty terrible at scheduling content for the last year or so. But I'm trying to get into a routine where I batch create and schedule one afternoon for the next week or so. Or even schedule a certain blog post to be publicised again on a relevant awareness day or month in the future. I want to do this because it will save me time when doing my science communication and then I won't have to worry about doing it all last minute around all my other commitments. So once I get back into more of a routine with scheduling, then I might look into the paid version of later because those extra additions is something that would be useful to me. I mentioned Buffer as an alternative scheduling tool you could use or I have used Hootsuite before. A new one I have also come across recently is Octopost. I'm not sure of all the details for free versus paid on those, but if you are looking for a scheduler, check those out to see which best suits your needs. Oh, and you can also schedule um, for Facebook and Instagram with Facebook Creator Studio as well, which you all have from having a Facebook or an Instagram account. But a scheduling tool is a crucial and fantastic tool to have in your SciComm toolkit when starting out. The next tool I have for you today is Asana. A lot of science communication is about being organised and staying on top of projects and deadlines and so on. I now use Asana to manage my whole life pretty much. It is a project management tool and you can create boards for different projects. I have one for my work stuff, one for life admin, one for my blog, one for podcast, one for personal development and so on. Within that I create all the tasks associated with that project and set the deadline. I can then further break those tasks down into subtasks and set deadlines for each of those so I can stay on track. Let's take a blog post for example. I will need to do research and keyword research to start off with, then I will write a draft. I will need to edit my post and format it, I will need to come up with the best title, I need images which I might need to create using Canva, and I need to then check my SEO and categories, tags and so on. I need to publish and then most importantly I need to promote. All of that comes under blog post week one of May for example. Then I can go to the my tasks tab and that has a list of all the tasks from all your different projects that I have to complete and then it lets me know which ones have to be done today or tomorrow or next week. I've had a couple of requests for this already um, so if you're interested too let me know. Some people have asked me for a video tutorial about how I use Asana to manage all my different projects. So if you're interested in that, send me a DM on Instagram and I will get creating that for you. So within Asana, you can also set tasks with recurring deadlines if there is something you need to do every month or every day or every 12 weeks and so on. You can add documents and images to your tasks too. The paid versions start at £9.49 a month 
where you can get some extra features, but for an individual or even a team of up to 15, you can use most features for free to stay on top of your science communication, which will save you time and you will be more productive. There are other project management tools out there, so you need to play around and see which ones suit you and your needs. One example is Trello, which I also love, and I've seen more people recommending Notion too, although I haven't used that one myself. But have a play around, see which ones you find most interesting or most easy to use. The next tool today is Grammarly. If you haven't used Grammarly before, it is a website you can go to and copy and paste any text you have written into it, whether that is social media captions, blog posts, articles, YouTube scripts, brochures. Copy and paste it into Grammarly and it will give you suggestions on how to improve your grammar and spelling and so on. It's basically a free online writing assistant. There is a browser extension for Chrome or other internet browsers are available um, that you can then install on whichever internet browser you use. They're also currently beta testing it for Google Docs too. So it means it will then work when typing emails and doing things online too, and not just within your standard Word document type things, which I really appreciate. The last thing I want when I might be sending out a pitch email is for there to be spelling mistakes in it, because I want to show that I can actually string a sentence together. Now, you might be thinking, don't documents like Microsoft Word do that already? And yes, they do, but they can miss some. Grammarly will help to correct any grammatical errors or suggest how you could change your sentences or if you have added any unnecessary words, it would recommend that you remove that so you get to the point a bit more quickly. There is again a paid version. It is $12 per month, and that will give you suggestions on how to improve your style, clarity, tone, and other more advanced corrections. I still use the free version. If you already use Grammarly and use the paid version, Again, please do get in touch with me and send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to hear more about it and whether it is worth paying for. So it is a really simple tool, but a really useful tool to help you with anything that you need to write for your science communication projects. The penultimate tool I wanted to share today is Zencaster. Now, I've been using Zencaster to do remote podcast interviews. You can set up basically like a virtual audio room and invite your guest in. It then records separate audio files, one at your end and one at your guest's end to make your audio quality as crystal clear as it can be. When you stop recording, you can then download both files direct onto your computer to start transcribing them or editing them. You can record just audio or audio with video you can also record just the audio, but have the video on if you wanted to see your guest or for them to see you. You can record up to eight hours per month on the free version and have up to two guests in each of your rooms, so to speak. Although throughout the coronavirus outbreak, Zencaster have said that people on the free plan can have unlimited guests and unlimited recording time. So if you want to make the most of that, 
Get onto Zencaster and schedule your interviews sooner rather than later. The paid version is $20 per month where you have the more unlimited time and guest options and a few other extras. But the audio quality I have gotten from it so far with the free version is great. It's been everything that I've needed. Well, you can tell me if it isn't as you're listening to this podcast. Now, creating a podcast can incur costs if you go for a host and so on. We will cover that another time. But Zencaster is also a useful tool for remote interviews if you are collecting info for a news article or for a book proposal. You can also do this on Zoom if you want to. Personally, I like having all of my audio projects in the same place. So I use Zencaster for all of my different needs. And a bonus useful tool for transcribing audio is otter.ai. You will obviously need to check through the transcriptions, but that software, which is also free, is pretty good. Zencaster, though, is a great free tool for recording remote interviews for whatever your purpose. The final tool I wanted to share today is answerthepublic.com. One of the most common things that comes up in science communication is what do I talk about or what do I write about? Well, if you are stuck for content ideas, then you will love answerthepublic.com. You head to the website and type in a phrase that is relevant to your science communication. For this example, I have typed in stem cells. It then spits out hundreds of the top questions and phrases around that topic that people are asking about online. Here are a few examples for stem cells. Will stem cells help arthritis? Which stem cells are totipotent? Stem cells to regrow teeth? Stem cells can be harvested from stem cells versus normal cells or stem cells and bone marrow? All of which you could create at least one piece of content around, almost definitely more. In fact, just this stem cell search has given me 375 results. That's enough daily content for over a year. Let's do another example quickly with, say, PhD student. There are results like, what does a PhD student do? Can a PhD student apply for a green card? PhD student versus candidate, what's the difference? All of these are content ideas that might fit in with your science communication goals. If you search for science communication on answerthepublic.com, you get replies like why SciComm matters, what are SciComm skills, science communication on YouTube, science communication and employability. Answerthepublic.com is a goldmine of content ideas. Also note that these are the keywords that you want to put into your blog posts and YouTube video headlines and so on. But more about the details on that very soon. You can download all of these answers that answerthepublic.com gives you and save them onto your content ideas planner or document or whatever you have. And if you don't have one of those, set one up. Maybe on your newly set up Asana or whichever project management tool you decide to use. If you have an ideas document or planner, you can note down inspiration whenever it comes to you. Back to answerthepublic.com though, you can only do two searches a day though without paying a premium. But if you are thinking of activities for your next science festival, 
looking for blog or podcast episode inspiration or what to cover or include in your next public science talk, then I'm pretty sure that this tool will give you some clues about where to start or what to include. So that is my seven free tools that you need when starting out in science communication, plus a few bonus extra suggestions thrown in there. Just to recap quickly, they were Canva for all your graphic design needs, WordPress.com for an easy way to start blogging or creating your website, Later for scheduling social media posts, Asana for managing your tasks and saving you time, Grammarly for support with grammar and spelling when writing, Zencaster for recording high quality audio in remote interviews, and finally answerthepublic.com for endless content ideas to serve as inspiration. We have officially arrived at the DIY section of the podcast. The part that is designed to give you actions and tasks you can do right away to level up your SciComm confidence and add another tool to your SciComm toolkit. Today is a little bit different. No worksheets, no exercises, and not just one tool. There's seven, which you won't be surprised to hear are the ones I've told you about in this episode. I want you to go away today and take a look at these recommendations or their alternatives and give them a go. See which ones suit you or you find easiest to use. But I highly recommend that in your SciComm toolkit, you have Canva, first of all. It's so good that you must have it in there. You'll need a scheduling tool for social media to drive traffic to your blog or website you need a good spell check and grammar tool to help your writing grow. You need a project management tool to keep track of all your tasks. And there are many more content inspiration sources like answerthepublic.com that I can share with you in the future. But this one is a great place to start. So make sure to find the right versions of the tools for your toolkit. I will add links to all of these that I've mentioned in the show notes which you can find in the episode description, but also through my website, sofetalkscience.com forward slash toolkit and enjoy experimenting. That is all from me for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to subscribe. We are wrapping up this first season with four interviews with some fantastic communicators. So make sure you don't miss out on them and all their wisdom that they're sharing. If you have a few spare minutes, then do leave a review or send me a DM on Instagram with your feedback. Let me know if and what you are enjoying about the podcast so far. You can find me at sof.talks.science or you can follow the podcast at SciComm Toolkit. And that is all for this week. Take it easy and fingers crossed I will see you in the next episode. Au revoir mes amis.